0: Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Sureden Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New
1: Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rusciutti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. As much as we love New Orleans, we all agree there is room for improvement in all kinds of areas. The two issues that rise to the top of most lists of things that concern New Orleanians are crime and education. We have an evolving public education system that continues to attempt to claw its way up towards the national average. We have at various times been the murder capital of the country, had the highest per capita number of people incarcerated in the country, and our local news and neighborhood conversations are peppered with crime stories. My guests out to lunch today are tackling New Orleans crime and education. Jeff Burkhart is COO of a company called Active Solutions. Active Solutions' contribution to reducing New Orleans crime is the placement and operation of crime cameras around the city. You've probably seen them, and there's a pretty good chance they've seen you too. Jeff, welcome Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for having me today. <laughs> One of the criticisms of our education system is that we're focused solely on students' academic achievement, which is ultimately divorced from the rest of their life. For that reason, there are a number of kids who see no relevance in education and drop out before graduating high school. Uncommon construction is an antidote to that problem. Uncommon construction builds houses using high school kids as construction workers. The kids get paid and learn construction skills, and the life lessons that are part of their training aim to turn out work and community leaders. The founder and executive director of Uncommon Construction is Aaron Fruman. Aaron, welcome out to lunch. Thanks for having me, Peter. Now Jeff, the mayor and the chief of police are both very bullish on your company's crime cameras. The chief of police warned criminals, we will see you, we will know who you are, and we will apprehend you. And the mayor said this is the right step in the right direction so that we can ensure that our city is moving towards true public safety. However, there are citizens that don't feel quite so upbeat about being watched. They're looking for statistical proof that they are getting real benefit for giving up their anonymity. So what is the straight-up factual truth? How many arrests have been made as a direct result of the evidence gathered from crime cameras? Is it working? what
2: um, I here, they're using it every day for investigative purposes and, and solving, you know, different calls for service. I don't have that number. We were hired to install, manufacture and install the cameras. Um, that is something you'd have to ask the police department.
1: And When you, men- you mention install, do you install and then continue The operation of the cameras?
2: The cameras are are being viewed and maintained by the uh, real-time crime center which is a part of Homeland Security and they have civilians that are trained not police officers it's civilians just like you and I that are trained on the technology and they are there supporting the police or fire or EMS as calls for service come in from the
1: 911 calls you know what I was thinking about Jeff is that drugs and um and mainly drugs and street crime tend to be more of a federal crime is that, do I have that right I think it yes and, and it's if there are people who are
2: especially firearms involved and one of the benefits of having that video of a of, of an incident with involving guns is they're able to get that out of the local court system and into federal and and get the ATF involved um it it it's not a, a complete burden just on the city of New Orleans having to handle that that
1: case. They now have resources on the federal level that can come in and, and help. Aaron, you've built uncommon construction using a really uncommon business model. The company is technically a nonprofit. Our concept of nonprofits is that they rely on donations for their existence, but uncommon construction builds and sells houses. So it is self-funding. One of the central problems of our education system is that it's chronically underfunded. Have you considered as part of the growth of Uncommon Construction that this model could be a a funding mechanism for high schools or you need all the money you get?
3: We are, we're 70% sustained by earned revenue because there are things that we do as part of our theory of change, our educational model, the way that we deliver our program that a regular for-profit construction company of our size isn't going to be able to afford to do. We provide transportation for our apprentices. We buy lunch for all of our apprentices. You train them, on the right? build day, right? And so we need to develop these professional habits of showing up on time, being responsible and accountable to a supervisor, eating a healthy meal that will sustain you in the New Orleans heat on a construction site is really important and it's not necessarily something that all of our young people in our community are starting with the ability to do and provide for themselves. And additionally, what we find is that by being a nonprofit, we create other opportunities for sponsorships, for donations, for volunteer engagement that serves to actually enhance the quality of our program delivery for our kids. So what the way, what it looks like is every Saturday on our construction site when we do work with volunteers, it's not just anybody. They bring some kind of mentoring capacity or mentorship component. They're college students or educators or industry professionals, employers, other kinds of partners who can contribute in a meaningful way. And all we do at Uncommon is serve as the intersection.
1: As a finance professor, I've got to ask you something. The cash flow part of this model, yeah. you've got to um, you've got to, You're working on the house. You have to sell the house before you
3: can get to the next house.
1: Is that right, or?
3: Well, so yeah, we, you know, construction financing, right? We got super lucky when we first, when we were real, real early. Uh, I had a, a real chance encounter on Bourbon Street, uh, where I was in a bar on Bourbon Street on a Sunday afternoon. All these stories sound this way, but go and ahead. I, and I, it's somebody. only in it's New Orleans, man. <laughs> yes. But this is what got us to be able to do our first house without any debt financing. And so, essentially, I lost a bet to sing karaoke with some friends who were in town, <laughs> from out of town. And you were discovered by with. a recording company? And Yeah, that's good. when I landed my first record <laughs> deal, and the rest is history. No, we, uh, I walked into a bar where I happened to know the bartender and he said, hey, come over here. I want to introduce you to these people. I met this couple from Kentucky who was in town. They've stayed connected with us ever since. But the guy asked me what I did. I didn't, wasn't really interested in the conversation, but he just said, what do you do? He said, oh, I'm starting this nonprofit. This is three years ago. I said, I'm starting this nonprofit. It's called Uncommon Construction. Here's what we're going to do. He said, that sounds amazing. That sounds incredible. And he immediately saw our vision right, for what this thing could become. Called his wife, who's a former teacher. Said, had me re-say what it was. And then they said, All right, well what do you need? Sounds like you just need to get some wind in your sails, huh? What do you guys need? And I said, Whoa, well, I'd had just enough beers on a Sunday afternoon to say to, to <laughs> throw to it say out there. I need money. And he said, How much? And I said, A lot of it. And and we kept talking and kept talking. He came back and visited. He said in that initial conversation he said, Well, what does it take to sponsor a house? I said, fifty thousand dollars. He said, All right, we'll do one couple more conversations later he multiplied that by six and made a donation of three hundred thousand dollars and that catapulted us so the experience that we've seen since then we've now just finished our eighth house we're in the middle of our ninth semester we've worked with about a hundred kids paid them close to a hundred thousand dollars the other thing that's unique is because we retain ownership over the site we control the culture on our build sites, the tasks that our kids get assigned, the feeling that you have when you're there, uh, as well as the revenue. So that's what allows us to pay our kids a fair rate. They're not stipended, they're not 1099, they're employees, right? But additionally, when we sell that house, all the revenue goes back to fund the program and we match our kids' paychecks with what we call an equity awards scholarship, which they can use for further education, industry certifications, or the tools that they need for a full-time job. And you're really good. I- I almost brought my checkbook out right now. <laughs> it's, uh, like, just exactly. Well, you're buying lunch, so this oh, is a good there start. You go. That's the way this works. <laughs> so, yeah. i got to ask you
1: both a, a location question. Uh, um, first of all, Jeff, do you determine where these... Uh, and by the way, I'm using the term crime cameras. You use a different term. What? What is...
2: Yeah, we we have always referred to them as um, safe city cameras. Right. Um, I know just recently... Uh, Council uh, Member Cynthia Wynn wants to refer to them as quality life cameras. Okay, all right, and I think both both kind of describe more accurately what they really are.
1: So, do you decide where to put these cameras? No, we don't.
2: Uh, We're given a list, uh, and those locations are provided by the district police district commander, and they look at. Uh, Community um, crime statistics and are they only in in high crime areas? Oh no, they're 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 all over and and, and I think pretty equally spread out throughout most districts. Uh, so every district commander has the opportunity to use them where they feel they'll be most
1: effective for their officers. Wow. And then, uh, Aaron, in terms of uh, your location question, where do you put these homes and? Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears> um, and how do you make that decision?
3: That's a tough one. So we work a lot with the industry and realtors and agents, and we look, we watch market trends. We're looking, we're not, we're not subsidized housing, and we're not gentrifying housing, right? We're somewhere in the middle, and they refer to us as naturally occurring affordable housing. That's kind of a secondary impact, right, that we have in the housing market. Is that in a lot of ways we're stabilizing? Um, we're just doing math when it comes time to sell our houses. And we're also doing math when it comes time to buy property for where we're able to build. So we also don't want to price ourselves out of a given neighborhood either. Uh, the first house that we built as the general contractor, I bought that lot off of Craigslist for ten thousand dollars. And we, the house most that, real
1: estate transactions yeah, are not on Craigslist. It but. was
3: we're, well, as a startup, we're able to be like nimble and lean. and <laughs> I work until two o'clock in the morning, so I was able to find it right. But the house that we then built on that lot, the Craigslist lot, sold for $252,000 in the St. Rock neighborhood. And both of those transactions happened within the same year.
1: So, you, uh, A, you, you you picked a neighborhood that was going up in value. So I mm-hmm. guess that's part of the key, yeah? Huh?
3: Yeah, and so, you know, we're not married to that. We've been building a lot in St. Rock because that's where we're, operationally we're able to be close to ourselves so we can go to one house or another house those kinds of things. We're also looking for areas where... You know, we're experiencing developing development, but where we can do it in a responsible way. The way that we also think about it is, you know, after Katrina, my background was in the rebuilding effort. Like, you came here from San Diego, right? I did, yeah. Just for the, yeah. the good weather here? Exactly, the, yeah. yeah. I got tired of the beach and the sunshine. <laughs> I wanted a lot like more clouds weather. and hurricanes. Yeah. And oh, you came to the right spot. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: Jeff, I have to
1: ask you, the, the, the actual cameras have flashing lights. Um, is that part of the part of the system? is it helped those lights deter the crime?
2: They did a study and they looked at other cities that have cameras um, and felt that there was the biggest impact by having the lights flashing and having the lights on. We um, work with them to, some are flashing, some are solid depending on the the neighborhood or locations. Um, We felt that it was important to let everybody know that this is the new camera system, everything is working. And it, as you look a block or two in any direction, you kind of see that and it gives you a, a better sense of feeling that, okay, things are okay.
1: You're listening to Out to Lunch, I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Jeff Burkhardt from Active Solutions the company that installs crime cameras in New Orleans and Aaron Fruman from Uncommon Construction, the company that employs high school kids to build new homes. Jeff, the, do you make the equipment? Yeah, we, we, we assemble everything here in New Orleans. Uh, we
2: have a, a, a team internally where we, we manufacture all the, the cameras and we look forward to growing that. We want to take it nationwide. We've already we're working with several other cities. That's to do what I was going to say.
1: Where are you besides New Orleans? Did I hit read right that you're in Johannesburg?
2: Yeah. Well, we uh, we did a system. Uh, we designed a system. We fortunately, unfortunately, did not go down there. But we did a uh, thank thank goodness to the internet. We were able to design <laughs> wow. a and Google Maps a system for Johannesburg, so they could set up wow. a tower up on top of their hill, yeah. and and they just wasn't. They weren't That would be sure so great to your literature, as seen in Johannesburg. Yes, there would go. be uh, good.
1: <laughs> now, Aaron and Jeff, this is the part of the show we call your brother-in-law. You're at work. You've got a few minutes of peace and quiet to return some emails when your phone rings. It's your brother-in-law. Usually he only calls when he's inviting everyone he's ever met to his throw-down crawfish boil, but this time it's different. This time your brother-in-law has a business proposition for you. Jeff, your brother-in-law went to a bachelor party at a strip club on Bourbon Street and he had a genius idea. It's a subscriber-based business like Spotify, except what you're subscribing to is a high-def webcam and a strip club. $19.99 a month, unlimited access, he's calling it Stripify. He's already gotten three clubs on Bourbon Street to say they'll sign up for just 20% of the subscription. What do you tell your brother-in-law about supplying the cameras and setting up Stripify? Are you in? I think I'm going to be out on that. I mean, I'm to, that doesn't quite fall into our quality of life
2: um, <laughs> mantra and, and, and vision for us. But uh, I think he, he might do very well at it, too. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's not going to be for you, not but Not for me, you but uh, yeah. certainly can advise
1: him. And... <laughs> now, Aaron, this is much better for you. Oh, Aaron, Your brother-in-law tells you he's moving to Colorado and wants to take the uncommon construction model out there with him. Except... Instead of building houses, he wants to teach kids how to cultivate and sell pot, which is legal there and a multi-million dollar business. He's calling the program Uncommon Cannabis. He wants to spend a month working with you, learning the ropes of how to do it, and then launch Uncommon Cannabis in Colorado as a division of Uncommon Construction. So you'd get a cut of the proceeds. What do you tell your brother-in-law? Are you ready to expand and diversify the uncommon construction model into other high school-based education businesses? (laughs) Uh, I'm in. So And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why.
3: So we're... we, we land in construction. That's where my background is, right? I got my first job in construction as a day laborer. I fell in love with the work. I did a year of AmeriCorps work for Habitat for Humanity here. I fell in love with construction. It also happens to be a high-wage, in-demand industry in our community. The biggest problem facing our state is coastal restoration and protection, and we're not going to solve it by putting solar panels in tomorrow. That's the long game. We need to elevate houses and dig levees. We need to design systems like that. And those are carpentry and construction jobs. Your camera installers need to know how to use tools, right? need Absolutely. to be able to go up on a ladder. So we're at the, at the beginning of that pipeline, the infrastructure management and so on, right? What you see in Colorado, and I lived in Colorado when that was all passed as a, as a middle school teacher, um, is that oh, that's wow. this new industry right? And so it's high wage, high demand, kids will get excited about it in the same way that they do when you give them a hammer and a tape measure and all that stuff. And there's growth opportunities as opposed to an industry where they might be capped uh, or, you know, always be a mid-level manager. We want to give kids the autonomy, the power of the skills that are needed in the workforce and in the industries that are available in our community that can pay them what their skills and labor and time and talents are worth. I was
1: really hoping you'd say yes. That was
3: I sort of knew Jeff was going to say no. But I really, yeah. Which is why we brought you here today. What's Aaron. exciting? Yeah. Well, what would be exciting for me about getting involved in it, in addition to just the business model of how do we pay kids for work and make it a learning experience and the technical skills and the career pathways and so on, is the way that we do soft skills and leadership skills. Uh, and the way that we do that on our job sites, we focus a lot more on teamwork ethic, problem solving, communication, those kinds of things through the vehicle of learning technical skills. So you learn communication because you got to get your numbers from the tape measure right, right? you got to carry something with somebody else.
1: And finally applying that stuff they made you learn. Exactly, right? uh, You know, one last question for Aaron, though, is uh, how do you select the kids? Are there more kids
3: applying than there Mm -hmm. are openings? Yeah, that's a great question. So we, uh, every school year, we interview about 130, 150 kids. Uh, we think of this as our broader like pipeline development initiative, where this is a real opportunity for young people to develop job attain- attainment skills <clears throat> in a high-wage, high-demand aligned career pathway. So it's different if you apply for a job with uncommon construction, as opposed to you know uncommon something that doesn't Cannabis. make money, right? <laughs> uh, and where there's a lot of available jobs, right? And so. This is a, a first interview, a first application that a kid has uh, in this industry. So then when they're on going to pick their next opportunity, they might steer towards this or have more experience in this. We then give feedback to the schools around how they did in their performance, what we might recommend in terms of coaching and feedback. So we invest about a quarter of the year in those pipeline initiatives of recruiting, selecting, identifying, and giving feedback. Every semester we work with about 20 now we're trying to grow, so about 20 to 25 individual students per cohort, per house, per semester. We count by the kid, not by the house, right? Um, and those kids all go through. There's an application process, in-person interviews, uh, letter of recommendation. So it's, there's a process that helps build culture. Uh, that helps build expectations, that helps build investment because, you know, our program is high, high impact, right? It's a deep impact of, a, of an experience for these kids over the course of a semester or multiple semesters before they graduate. And so we need to make sure that the kids who we're selecting into the program aren't necessarily just valedictorians or you're most right. at risk, but we're getting a good mix of kids who are all... Um, at a certain point in their lives where this they're going most likely to stay in the program most likely to be impacted by the program and they bring some kind of curiosity or interest I'd say about fifty percent are interested in construction when they apply uh, and then we convert another 15 to 20 percent <laughs> uh, so about 75 to 80 percent of our kids go into uh, into the industry in some way
1: and Jeff one of the things that's different about uh, taking big jobs like this, as I imagine, you have to bid for them or request for proposal. Is that the way it works? We did a, we did a lot of that early on, um, just like everyone else, through the bid process.
2: And then we went on to build and develop relationships. And we felt that, like, I feel business is done with trust that you're going to sign a contract and you're going to follow through and you're not going to change order them at the end you're gonna live up to your your end of the contract. I guess the other side, these are all custom jobs. Every Yeah, most things are, are custom. There's not like you can just go pull a crime camera or, you know, safe city camera off the shelf. You <laughs> have to actually manufacture these and we developed the technology years ago and it's uh, simple for us to do.
1: One of the knocks against New Orleans is that we're stuck in our old ways of thinking and traditional ways of doing things. The criticism is we're resistant to change. Aaron and Jeff, both of you are shaking up traditional New Orleans in areas that could most do with change, crime and education. As much as we might like to hold on to our old ways of doing things, nothing stays the same. So we look forward to keeping up with both of you and seeing where you and change Take New Orleans. Thank you both for taking the time today to join me for Out to Lunch. Thank Thank you, you. Peter. My guests in Out to Lunch today have been Aaron Fruman, founder and executive director of Uncommon Construction, and Jeff Burkhardt, chief operations officer at Active Solutions. You can find out more about Aaron's houses and Jeff's cameras by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, uh, Jeff has installed cameras here at Commander's Palace. <laughs> 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 no, that's not true. You can find There's photos. There's no
3: blinking lights on there.
1: <laughs> no. You can find photos in this show on itsneworleans.com. And It's New Orleans Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Jill Lafleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at LafleurPhoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for It'sNewOrleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business. New Orleans style on Out to Lunch.
0: Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitchell's music is available wherever great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. Additional support for Out to Lunch comes from Basic Swim and Gym, Travel Central in Metairie, and Strategic Resumes.